Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, before we get started, I'm going to throw a little ad your way. As a cyclist, what is a spring all about? It's about getting your bike ready and learning some specific skills on how to deal with a bike mechanical while out for a ride. Let me ask you this. Do you avoid going long distances because you're afraid of experiencing a flat and not knowing what to do and possibly having to phone someone to pick you up? I can totally relate. I used to be that way. Now to avoid having that ever happening, I have something for you. I have created an online bike maintenance webinars and local hands-on clinics. Check the website for new dates regularly. Here's what you will learn. How to take your back wheel off, how to change a flat, how to adjust brakes, repair a broken chain, patch a flat. In addition, you will learn how to use the tools you're carrying in your bike bag, such as Allen keys and a chain brake tool, tire levers, how to use your pumps, what are chain links and how to use them. With these new skills and confidence, you will be able to handle any mechanical while cycling alone or in a group. No matter where you are globally, you can benefit from one of these webinars. If you're local, the clinics are more for you, and that's for Ottawa, Ontario area. I've been teaching these clinics for over 10 years, and trust me when I say, everyone learns something. A recording will be provided for the webinars, as well as Amazon shopping lists for both webinars and clinics for the bike tools that you will be using and learning how to use. Make sure to secure your spot today at www.sylviedaou.ca or bmcclinic.ca. Thank you very much and enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou, here sitting in Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we have the amazing Chris Schrader. I said that wrong. Schroeder. No. No, that was it. That was it. Schroeder. (laughs) Chris Schroeder, who is sitting in Colorado, I believe. Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Woo! So the thing is I found Chris on Instagram, like I find a lot of people, but he has a super unique story. Now we're going to have Chris on the podcast twice because for today, we are going to talk about how he went from pro triathlon. Well, he used to be a pro triathlete turned pro gravel racer and is now the owner the team owner of Diamond Factory Racing, which is a new gravel race team. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And then our next episode is going to be all about Chris 
the gravel, the pro gravel racer. So welcome Chris to the podcast. I'm super excited to hear about your new venture. No, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've listened to this Secrets of the Cell podcast before, so I'm really enjoying this. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> That's so amazing. All right. So as I get into, um, all of my episodes, I always love to know and ask, how did you get into cycling and how did it lead you on the path that you're on today being a team owner? Yeah, I think that cycling for me, it all, something had been, it's something I've always been a fan of. Growing up, I'd always enjoyed watching cycling events. And um, I ended up kind of going down this triathlon path just kind of through um, school and just local sports, being a swimmer and a runner. And I ended up kind of going through college at CMU, racing triathlon, and ended up having five years racing professionally. And towards the end, at the beginning of 2020, I was already kind of on my way out. I had kind of mentally checked out. And triathlon's a, it's a little isolating, it's a little lonely, it's a little toxic at the top. And it was just, I kind of got into my tipping point. And at the same time, I had uh, participated in a local gravel event. And I really got on and really enjoyed the kind of more relaxed vibe and the community kind of based around it. So in March, 2020, I raced Ironman New Zealand, which is just, that's a real thought because of what's happened in the world since then with New Zealand yeah. being also like such a lockdown country that I, I ended up leaving that race days before the entire country locked down. And <gasps> Lucky um, you, <laughs> you'd have been stuck yeah. there for months and months. <laughs> And it kind of, but doing the Ironman New Zealand, it kind of put a, it kind of closed the door to my triathlon career. And thankfully, in kind of a weird way, with what happened in 2020, where triathlon as a sport just kind of disappeared, I was able to kind of use that to, as an excuse for all these current existing sponsors, but like, hey, I'm going to go race gravel. There's no triathlon <laughs> going on, so we're just going to kind of go with this. Yeah. Um, and they're all like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think my like wetsuit sponsor was like, well, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, well, I can't, I can't race a triathlon. So we're going to do something. Um, and doing that, I kind of came to this conclusion that when you're a pro triathlete or just a privateer, uh, professional in a lot of ways, once you're done, there's nothing left behind. Hmm. You can have a 20 year career, but the day you hang it up, everything you had for those 20 years is just gone. You have nothing to show for it. Really. You know, you have your medals and your trophies, but there's nothing left behind. So when I started to switch to gravel, I decided I wanted to build a team. The thought being, when I walk away from racing, I'm going to have built myself another career of management. I wanted to do something for a reason. You know, I wanted to negotiate a sponsorship deal because of something bigger than myself. Right. And that was kind of a, a really big mindset change for me. And I had wanted to do something similar in triathlon. And with kind of that, I had this weird mindset of, I always kept giving myself these uh, standards. I won't like saying, I won't start this team unless I, you know, get some crazy big sponsor to fund it at the top. And then in 2020, I just kind of decided, look, I'm going to just start a team no matter what happens, no matter what funding or whatnot we have, I'm going to just get this off the ground. Mm -hmm. And it ended up working out really well. A lot of our sponsors from triathlon kind of came over to kind of be founding members of this with me. We ended up connecting with some amazing brands that, We'll probably with for the life of the brand like kenda factory or kenda tires came on board they met me at a race and 
it was really interesting that I had nothing at the time. The team hadn't really gone off the ground and they said, you know what, we believe in your idea. We're going to come on board. And here they are still, you know, vision components, same way, just kind of came on. And at the same time, another bike brand who made gravel bikes had kind of helped me out with getting the equipment and stuff. And they continued their support in 2021 when we kind of launched initially as untamed cycling mm -hmm. and Due to it being a first-year team, we decided, all right, this first year, we're going to try our best to just make it myself and my fiance, Brittany, with the idea of, all right, we're going to build this foundation, and we don't want to bring on riders just for the sake of filling a roster. You know, right. we understood, all right, yeah, we could go and give jerseys out, give jerseys to anyone who wants one and say they're on their our team and put a bunch of titles on there that don't mean anything, but what does that do for the team? Does having 20-some riders that are all – on a free jersey, getting mediocre results really help the goal of this team, which is to be one of the foremost professional teams in gravel. And our conclusion was just no, like we don't want to bring anyone on until we can bring on the people that we want, that we feel deserve the spots, and that we can give the complete and total support that they need to be professionals. So the plan initially was that going into 2022, we would sign quite a few riders and help kind of really start this team off. And I would begin to slowly take steps back into more of a management role. And then on this very unfortunate day in November, I was traveling to my uh, grandmother's memorial. And it's like that morning, Brittany and I are like, we're in the airport, about to get on the plane. We're in like the airport lounge. I had an email from our bike sponsor at the time. And in a tone that I had never read before said, we're dropping you. If, you know, it's like already like a horrible day. It starts off with this terrible email. And if someone had pulled me aside like a minute before I read that email and said, Hey, Chris, who's your best relationship? I probably would have said them. And oh, it and for Brittany and I, it, it, it really came close to breaking us. We didn't understand what was happening. And it put this team in a massive jeopardy of this big foundational part of the team is now gone. It's the end of November. Everyone's already kind of figured out their contracts for next year, sponsorship wise. We had two or we had a couple athletes that we were kind of lining up for this. So we were all of a sudden in this giant, like, wow, what do we do? Like, do we just throw in the towel on this project or what? And now, you know, we're, we're having a little breakdown. We get our, my friend on the phone. I go, Hey, I'm having such a bad morning. I don't know what to do. He goes, Oh, well, you said exactly yourself. You can either throw in the towel or you can, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get to work and find a new bike sponsor. You're and, like, yeah. I mean, it took me a couple of days. It took me a couple of days to truly kind of come down from what had happened. Yeah. And incidentally, at the same time, uh, TJ Tolickson, who's the owner of Diamond Bikes, and is someone I've known for years and someone who has had a really big point in my life as a mentor and an advisor and just a friend, was getting into gravel with his brand Diamond. And we had talked a little bit a few weeks before at Sea Otter Bicycle Classic. You know, he had shown me his bikes. We had chatted with him, things like that. And we got him on the phone and we kind of just, we just had a chat. You know, what are your guys' goals? Here's our goals. How can we make something happen? And it was really interesting because for them, they had never really done a big marketing push into road or gravel. Hmm. Being a predominantly triathlon brand, oh, they didn't even have a road bike or a gravel bike until. 2020. Oh, wow. They, they made more of almost out of a necessity to kind of help the brand sell more as triathlon kind of really disappeared for about a full year. Uh -huh. 
So yeah, everybody was selling their uh, tri bikes or buying tri bikes because they could only ride by themselves. It was weird shift, yeah. right? It was a very weird shift, and they <laughs> that kind of led to Diamond creating these two bikes. Mm-hmm. And so TJ and I we talked and we negotiated for a long time. And TJ is an engineer, so he has a very like engineer mindset of everything has to kind of work itself out to this end. It's just like you're you're not negotiating; you're both solving like a math problem at the same time. <laughs> And I'm not really like, whenever I pitch to someone and talk, it's all emotion and raw. And I talk yeah. about like love and romance and how much all this is <laughs> going to come together. And TJ wants like, let's talk numbers and deliverables and exact things. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so that was a really fun, hard, like four weeks of negotiating. I think like, like December, like 31st, we get like a contract and it all works itself out in the end. And the team, and it was a fun process. It was hard, but without the support of what Diamond did, this team wouldn't exist at all today. We would have probably mm-hmm. folded. Uh, but not only do we have this amazing contract with Diamond Bikes, it's over multiple years now. So what this wow. gives us is a direction of what we're going to be doing for this year, and it gives us direction for 2023, especially being how many athletes we're able to bring on board. Now that we know way ahead of time, all right, we already have four roster spots for next year, it gives me a mindset of, okay, this is how, this is the direction I'm building the team on going forward. It gives me the ability to go to the other sponsors and go, Hey, this is the direction the team's going. We're mm-hmm. this is all contract-based. This title sponsorship is kind of guaranteeing our existence for this amount of time. And they can kind of help and kind of fall in line behind that, so which is a big Chris, step. Can I ask you something? What about, what is it about having a bike sponsor that is a break or a make or break thing for a team besides the fact that bikes and like every athlete should come has their own bike but what is it about that sponsorship because you said that if you didn't have it you wouldn't be, have been able to carry on, carry on was is it is it about gear is it money can i ask those like it's it's more comp it's about mindset for me Okay. It's this confidence oh, okay. that I get. If I, I am sponsored by Diamond Bikes. And what that means to me is, well, let's take it back, for example. The entire five years I raced professionally in triathlon, I never had a bike sponsor. Okay. And it's due to just, it's very hard to get one. It's a very coveted thing and something that doesn't give out. So for me, right now, I can look at myself in the mirror and go, Diamond Bikes believes in me, which means I can do anything. If they believe in me, there's nothing that's not possible. I have the support of a bike brand that makes the best bikes in the world. Like, why can't I do something now? Like, why can't I talk to this brand? I already have the confidence of Diamond Bikes. I can go talk to this film, the bank brand, and I can bring them this confidence. They're saying, look, this brand believes in me. So I think you should believe in me also. Mm-hmm. And if you take that away, I kind of, that's what kind of crippled me a little bit of being like, wow, like this brand doesn't believe in me. Why should I believe in me? Like, am I doing something wrong right now? Mm-hmm. Did I fail at some point along the way? We never really were told why we were dropped. We were told a reason, but that reason turned out to be a, a very big lie. Oh. Which just kind of crippled us even more. Like, mm. Oh, so, from your cat, your- Yeah, your- our, our previous bike sponsor, when they dropped us, we never got an honest reason why. Oh. So for me, it really kind of hurt internally. And I really kind of even feel very down on myself and my self-belief of what I'm doing really lacked. Because a lot of that hadn't been leaning on that relationship. 
of they believe in me, therefore I can do anything. Right. So kind of taking that away is where I thought I was coaching myself. I'm like, well, why should this sponsor believe in me? You know, I'm a failure. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So having TJ come on board the way he did kind of reignited that someone believes in me and I can point at that every day and say, TJ believes in me. I can do this. You know, I might wake up and I might feel like, oh, this is, I had a bad race result, yada, yada, yada. I'm not getting enough likes on Instagram, fill in the blank. But <laughs> TJ believes in me. And that's something that I can point to every day and say, look. Never rely on the likes. <laughs> exactly. So that was why it was such a pivotal point. And there's like small things like, yes, like logistically speaking, if I talk to an athlete, being able to offer the equipment package that revolves around a bike is important. Yeah. And that's in a logistical way. You're, you need to kind of have that foundation of equipment of saying, Hey, if you come on board as an athlete, this is what your support package looks like. And you know, the bike is kind of the foundation of that. Um, it is do minor. Find, do you find that most athletes expect that kind of package deal? Like if they're being approached or they're going out and marketing themselves that this is an expectation that if you're going to join in a team on a team that this is what I'm going to get. No. And it, it's something I take gripe with from a lot of these. There's a couple like pseudo professional teams in gravel right now. And they do the one thing that I can't stand, which is they just, their idea is I'm going to get as many people on our Jersey as possible. We're going to tell them that they're professional and they're going to go out and do things. So what you get is this massive shift where all of a sudden the value that I bring is worth less because this team was able to give out 20 free jerseys, mm-hmm. but now they can say, oh, we get 20 Instagram posts a month, um, but they're all, the quality sucks. These athletes are all not worthy of the word professional. So now all of a sudden it's a lot harder for me to justify my own existence when someone is undercutting me. Because a lot of these brands also like, I hold very true to my value. I know how much value I bring. So you're not mm-hmm. going to sponsor me for less than that value. Yeah. But someone can come in underneath me and go, oh, well, I'll just do it for product only. All of a sudden, it makes it a lot harder for me to justify salaries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, But I'm very good at my job. I understand how to bring value to sponsors. Mm-hmm. And understanding that has kind of led me to avoid a lot of the things that are going on. Yeah. But that's also why I've been very hard set on I'm not going to bring on a single athlete until I can bring on the athlete I want at what I think is a market value that's fair to them. Right. Because I want to be at the top of gravel. I want to be this, I want this team to kind of be the forefront of what being professional is in the sport. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives me also the mantle of I'm going to choose the market value of these athletes. I'm going to pay them a salary that I think is fair of what they do. Yeah. I'm going to provide them the best equipment possible because that's what they deserve. Right. I'm not going to give 20 people a freaking jersey. So they can walk around and act like they're the top dog at their local group ride. And then they get dropped in a grapple race. <laughs> and then one thing that kind of, we took a big stride on was just like that, that belief has kind of guided us along the way. But then we leaned into it more and said, look, there's a massive inequality in cycling for women. We're mm-hmm. going to take this one head on. Right. And we kind of in our founding mission statement said at no point will our budget equipment or anything otherwise you split anything but equal between men and women. So we kind of took that as a founding member, which means that at no point will we not bring on a man and a woman and what no point will the budget be any way swayed one direction or the other. 
because we thought if we're going to lead the way in giving athletes salary and equipment, we need to do it in a way that we see the future going, you know, practice what we preach. We want mm-hmm. women to be on the same salary as men and we want it to be a livable wage. So there's a lot of yeah. these things that just, we decide that we're going to be bold and we're going to take it on. That's amazing. I love that. And of course, like, you know, it's funny, the, the equality of like of sport right now is such a big topic and, you know, moving into, I know it's gravel, you're talking gravel, but the tour de France is a huge thing right now with the tour de femme that's happening at the same time. And I'm actually really surprised there isn't more, um, advertisement or, or, uh, media on that because that's going to be coming up quickly. But so you, so your team joining your team, obviously you're taking applications right now from men and women, or is it, you said, I think it's closed for this year. And so we're not bringing on any, we didn't bring, we didn't bring on anyone for 2022. Our contractor diamond and everyone else is all aligned to 2023. So what that kind of looks like is because I have the foresight of already knowing the spots and what we're able to offer. I'm kind Mm -hmm. of in this situation where, all right, I'm going to probably start approaching athletes in July. Uh, There's still other things that kind of have to fall into place. Luckily, we're at this point in the team where we have all the sponsors we need from in the industry. So my sponsorship search for 2023 is going to be solely non-endemic, which means uh, a brand that doesn't work in the cycling industry. Mm. If someone's a fan of cycling and they say, look at, um, take a, a world tour team, quick step, like alpha vinyl, quick step and alpha vinyl have nothing to do with cycling. Mm. I think alpha vinyl is a floor brand or, um, there's just a lot of brands like that. that just, they have nothing to do with cycling, but they understand how advertising works. And this is their advertising platform, you know, mm. Alpa, team Alpacin, Alpacin is a shampoo company things like that, like AG2R is an insurance brand. It just goes so on and so on. Ineos is a, uh, like an oil brand. It's just, that's how it, it is. So that's going to be my sole focus to find a non-endemic sponsor that will cover the salaries of these athletes coming in. Right. Um, and we're looking at, I'll probably start approaching athletes mid-July. Start recruiting. Start yeah. watching races. Yeah, and I already like do that a lot as someone who's just a fan of the sport. I mm-hmm. care a lot about what happens anyway. So I'm always kind of slightly keeping my ear to the ground and just getting a feel of what's out there. That's very cool. Cause, uh, I don't know if uh, season's already started for you in the West. Um, I know here in Canada, it doesn't start till mm, May. Yeah. When we, get, we, we get rolling and, uh, but, um, so are you now, does your race calendar um, go further than Colorado? Like, are you hitting all the big races like, uh, Rebecca Rush's private Idaho and, um, Barry Roubaix, is that one of them? Uh, Barry uh that's Bay, a far uh, east. Yeah. So we do, we'll race. We basically go to all of the big events, regardless right. of their location from that list. Barry Roubaix, I'm actually just, our season will start with the mid South, which is, um, next weekend, depending on when you're, it's March 11th, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So that'll be kind of our first like tip-off point. We'll do like Mid-South, Unbound, uh, Tusher, Seamboat Gravel, uh, Gravel Worlds, Lead Boat, uh, Sugar. it'll kind of go on. And then we have um, the UCI Gravel 
calendar and then the UCI Gravel World Championships. We don't really have all the information just yet as to like what that all is going to look like and what prestige, if any, is kind of tied to it. So that's mm -hmm. kind of just another like, as more information comes out, we're going to be able to kind of figure that out. Right. But that's kind of how our calendar is. And you'll see us at all the big events. And then something we're doing this year, which is kind of a, uh, it's called a pilot program that I wanted to do for this team is I always felt like cycling had a lack of like engagement in a clear way for fans to interact with the athletes. So at all these big races, Mid-South, Unbound, we're actually going to have a team booth in the expo to give people kind of a clear way to interact with us. Mm -hmm. um, it's something I kind of pulled from like NASCAR and Formula One, whereas I, I like the way that the day before our fans could walk throughout the garages and kind of look in and see what the bikes look like. Same with like motocross. So I was like, you know, I'm going to bring that over to what we're doing. It's just kind of another unique aspect to this team that other teams aren't doing just to kind of, again, add more value to what I can bring to sponsors. Right. No. So how many P how many team members do you have racing this summer? With so due you? to the, well, due to the, the bike fiasco, it's just gonna be myself, my fiance. And then we have uh, our videographer, Jared on staff that will also be going to all these big events. Right. So unfortunately we just, because of what we happened, we weren't able to, we had to kind of turn down people that we had already approached just to, to, due to the fiasco that kind of happened, which was just, a, you know, another heartbreaking thing. Well, it's, it's kind of better. I mean, it's, you're simplifying things this season. I think it's probably going to be like the first full season in like two, three years. And so that's probably a, I would say a blessing to just, you know, be able to travel around with your fiance and she, you know, recruit, you know, checks out the lady scene and you check out the guy scene, and then you, you come together. And, um, I think for logistically, it's probably going to be a good idea. And yeah, and it um, kind of gives me another year of experience and learning. Yeah. Like, I still need to learn how the best practices to manage people are like, what are problems and things that come up in a given race weekend that I need to kind of be prepared for, especially once I start signing athletes, I need to be ready to, all right, if I'm bringing them to a race, here's all the things that can go wrong. And here's kind of the way I will learn to solve them. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, initially, like building this team is me being an entrepreneur. Like I want to build my career around this team. Right. So every year kind of starting to go forward, I'm going to take a slight step back from being the athlete to being more management role. Mm -hmm. And that will kind of coincide with all of a sudden now I'm going to these big races without racing at all, just to support the athletes. Yeah. So, it, and that's why the growth is slow. Mm -hmm. The we'll be running on a max of four athletes next year because I can only, I only feel comfortable managing four athletes. Yeah. I don't believe it's that I would be able to effectively bring on more than that and manage those relationships correctly, uh -huh. which isn't fair to the athletes. That's a great, you know, that's really good and really smart thinking, Chris, because like I was mentioning, when I had a master's race team, um, I started out with five of us and it was just like, we actually got a little bit of sponsorship. We had our, our team coach and through the years, through eight years, I became the coach, the, the uh, manager and it is, and also the racer. So it's extremely hard to do everything, um, and manage, you know, the team, whether it's like four people at the race or six people at the race. Um, it's kind of like, you're the mama bear of, you know, 
taking care of everybody, signing people up, getting the accommodations, make sure they get there, set up the tent, make sure they're warmed up, make sure they're eating. Oh, they're all adults, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes they're not all adults. Like some of these people <laughs> we're looking at are, you know, freshmen in college. Oh yeah. So there yeah. you go. You know, they, they need a, the, the help. Yeah. And uh, there exactly. was times when I'm like, I can't, I'm so glad I'm on the sidelines and, and watching them like. Exactly. And I'm in a, a very lucky <laughs> position with my support network of mm-hmm. having a relation, the relationship that I do with the sponsors we have, I'm able to kind of open up to them about insecurities and be like, I don't know how to handle this situation. Like, what do you advise? And that's right. something that's really big to me. It's like, and it's a key part of having any relationship is being able to go, Hey, like, just, I don't know what to do here. Like, what do you recommend? Or what do you think I should do? And to kind of take their counsel. Yeah. You know, TJ has, when I, um, when we got kind of towards the ending points of our contract deal, it was one of the final conversations we had. I had proposed to Brittany just before it. And I had a scheduled call with TJ and I call him and I'm like, Oh, how was your day? Oh, I was like, Oh, was Brittany. we spoke for probably an hour about just giving me advice on what marriage was going to look like. You know, we took a scheduled business call and he took out his time to kind of give me advice as to everything. I mean, I would almost go as far as to say the only reason we're having like a big wedding is because TJ convinced me to do it. Because like this guy was able to go like, hey, like as a man to man, this is why it's important to you. He was like, look, I understand why you probably want to save the money and do it all these different ways, but this is why it's important to her. This is why it's important to your marriage to do this. And that's such a special relationship to have. And like something that people don't know, like the history of Diamond Bikes and me is very tied together because when I was 15 years old and I lived in New York City, I'd never even done a triathlon before. Ironman New York City uh, was happening. I decided to volunteer. I'm volunteering at the finish line of this race and TJ crosses the finish line in fifth place. And I was the volunteer to actually like catch him when he crossed the line. Uh, you know, anyone who's doing Ironman knows that, you know, there's kind of volunteers that will grab you when you cross. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. You know, I was a 15 year old kid. I was like, oh, this is probably this is the coolest thing ever. Fast forward, like 2018, I'm a pro myself. I'm traveling to a race in Argentina in uh, Bariloche. And TJ and I, TJ is also racing and we were assigned a room together. Oh my so, God, that is so cool. <laughs> so then all of a sudden worlds kind of come together again. TJ and I kind of hit it off as a friendship. You know, we're spending these weekends together. All of a sudden, we're going to other races together, and we kind of become friends. And that's kind of like where this relationship started, and where kind of his knowledge of what I was doing came together. Wow. And you know, he's a he's a family man. You know, he's got a wife and a couple kids, and so you know, we're not you know we're going through all these years together. We're not texting, oh, how's your day going? Kind of thing. We're keeping it professional, but we see each other at races. So yeah. then coming back together to have him step in and kind of save this team and kind of give me this chance to really build it. It just, it's just this long, beautiful story to me. And not to mention his personal investment in just my life in general is kind of what made it so important to me. That is crazy coincidental, right? You might need to look at each other like, yeah. oh my God, remember me? Yeah. It probably wow. You must... <laughs> yeah. So so oh my god so you're getting started next week is your first race with the team um so is there anything else that you can share with us because i know like as a you know a lot of people look at you know creating a team um 
And I don't know if they really think about the logistics or the importance, because obviously there's different types of team. Like you're going for a very pro team. Like when I started mine, it was just a master's woman's team, but um, still there are so many things to think about. Um, now, is there any other parting wisdom that you can distill on us that, you know, as uh, a new entrepreneur getting into the bike racing scene that you can share with us? I mean, it's hard to ever really think about what wisdom. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm I know, sure I that's there. The spot. My biggest, my biggest like takeaway for people would be like. Like I want everyone to interact with this team as much as possible. If I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out. If you're listening to this podcast and you're going to the Mid-South, we're going to have a team booth in the expo. Like I'll be there. We're going to have our team bikes there set up. Like come by and interact with me. I, like, I would love to show you our bikes. I'd love to kind of interact with you as much as possible. You know, we have, you know, if you look up Diamond Factory Racing on Instagram, you're going to be able to find us. I'm always there. If you guys have right, any questions and want to interact, just shoot a message to that account. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to tell you whatever it is you want to know. And that's kind of just the important thing. Just like, if you guys can follow along, like I want to interact with you. I want to engage with the fans as much as possible. So just please reach out if you have any questions. And I'm happy to give wisdom. If you, whatever it is, I'll give you the answer if I, as long as I have it. That's awesome. And I thank you so, because you were really responsive when I reached out and I always appreciate, you know, when you take, you know, when I'm doing a lot of reaching out for the podcast. And it's always great to actually see people, you know, respond or actually look at your messages. So I certainly appreciate it. And don't forget um, all our listeners, we're going to have Chris back here talking about his experience as a pro gravel racer, moving, you know, from the triathlon scene into the gravel scene. So we're going to be talking more uh, about uh, with him more about his own personal experience because we're going to, he's going to be this his episode is going to be after this one obviously and a little bit further into the season so we're super excited about having him back so make sure that you are um, subscribed to wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcast and you share this episode and of course follow him on Instagram, as well as Diamond Factory. I think they're all linked on his uh, Instagram page. And don't forget to cheer him on because next week is the big season's opener, I guess, or first race of the season. All the above. All the above, yeah. Um, and don't forget to follow the podcast and um, share and so you don't miss another episode. So with that, I want to thank you, Chris, for taking the time to share this. It's always cool talking to um, bike team owners because it is a huge endeavor and you are just getting started. So, you know, next year we loved, I'd love to have you back to talk about the new season with the new team. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this and I look forward to interacting with anyone who wants to come by the booth or just wants to ask me a question, please do it. I'm happy to answer. All right, perfect. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have an amazing day and don't forget to ride your bike. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. 
learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.